Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Beyond the Self podcast. It is I, Africa, and this is the fourth time (laughs) I've recorded that very short intro because I've just started cracking up laughing, hearing my voice break, hearing the depth in my voice. Maybe, Maybe it sounds normal right now. Um, but since I woke up this morning, I have been sounding like I have been chain smoking a 20 pack of Richmond's and (laughs) this is what happens when you have, when you have a wonderful, wonderful evening of karaoke. I had so much fun last night. I had so much fun, um, so I'm I'm also getting a little bit of joy from hearing my voice sounding like this, especially how it sounded this morning, <laughs> especially how it sounded this morning. But I've been drinking tea and honey all day. I have my Zambani tea right here next to me, um, handpicked in Gueru. And yeah, I feel good. So yeah, there's a, if there's a bit of bass and a bit of depth in my voice, um, it's because of the karaoke. I, I, it was great. It was great. It unleashed my playfulness and my creativity. And then there was about seven of us. Yeah. Seven of us. Um, and then we went to dinner afterwards. Andrew, if you're listening to this, thank you so much again for organizing that. Um, Andrew is one of my dearest friends, one of my best friends. And he got all of us out to karaoke. Uh, yeah, it was just so playful and beautiful. Ah, oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And the big finisher was Celine, Celine, Celine Dion. My heart will go on. Um, and I think that's when my throat was like, all right, Africa, we fucking get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but it was, <laughs> but it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And then after that, I mess up with my lover and he came to my house and we watched a movie, spent the night together. It was so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, So yeah, I don't mind paying for it today with my voice sounding like this, but there was no way that I was going to not record this episode, especially. Um, But I hope that you're well. I hope that you've been safe. I hope that your heart is well. Um, and I hope that you're looking forward to hearing the rest of this episode as much as I am looking forward to recording it. So as you can see by the title, we're just going to be talking about what happens when the toxic person is you. What happens? What do you do then? I think this is a conversation worth having over and over and over again. And I had it with you. If you've been a long time listener, I have had it with you back in 2020. And it was episode five, which was titled how to identify your own toxic behaviors. So I revisited that episode and I revisited an article that I wrote back in 2019 or maybe 18. Um, on the very same thing. And I wrote that article for Tempest and it was so, so good, so good. And even as I read it now, and I look at all of those points that I made, I still feel so strongly about them, but I wanted to record this one two years later because there are other things that I want to throw in there. There are ways that I want to expand on some of those areas. Um, And I just think it's a conversation worth repeating. So, Before we begin, I do want to give a disclaimer. 
I need you to remember that the information that I put forward in this episode and all other episodes, all other episodes on this podcast is not personalized to any individual. Okay, so take what you need and leave the rest. Take what you need, only what you need and leave the rest. And if you're struggling with any of the areas that I will mention and nothing that I'm saying is really landing for you or it's not resonating with you, maybe because you're neurologically diverse, which we all are. So some things work for other people, some don't. Some people have patterns that are more deeply ingrained than others. Some people are experiencing things like trauma or um, complex PTSD. There are so many things that people are experiencing on a very individual level. And it's impossible for me to know what those things are. Okay, so I it's it's always, always something that I feel is important to remind you that this is not personalized. So I always recommend seeking support from a mental health professional or a specializing practitioner or a coach or someone who can assist you on a personal level. Okay. Or you can just seek out information that is more specific to you and your needs. Yeah. Good. Um, so I'm trying to think of any other, any other little updates worth sharing um karaoke last night and the past week has just been again I mean I I kind of say this in every every episode but my focus for this time especially for the next months is just finalizing my book proposal getting it out to the publishers so we can start doing its thing um that's that's where my focus is right now and I'm always so thankful that I have such a wonderful wonderful agent who just is the most supportive person in this entire process because I'm allowing it to be as slow as it needs to be because this book is going to be very intentional, very intentional. I want to write a book that I'm very proud of, but you are going to be proud of. I want to write a book that people will actually finish. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I'm really putting my all into this and I'm, I'm so grateful to be supported by people like my agent, even my lover, my friends, my family, um, the people that I date, the people that I just speak to, my audience. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So that's that's what I've been doing for the past week um, and just trying different methods of writing as well so that I can really find my groove, find what works for me. And yeah, that's kind of been it. That's kind of been it. Apart from that, the usual um, doing my walks, just hanging out, watching a bit of TV, started watching Love is Blind and I finished the whole fucking thing in two and a half days. Um, and yeah, that's about it. That's about it. So let me just have a sip of this tea. Something else actually that happened. I think this was a couple of days ago. So I was just looking through my emails and it's not often that I get a chance to even see them, let alone reply to most of them that are sent to my team's um, email. So then I, I receive an email from someone and it's not, there's no use mentioning the name or any other details. Um, but this person was basically saying that they enjoy the podcast, but they wonder why there are so many F-bombs. And this was an email. Um, and it just made me think, do people feel the need to share everything? As in, 
Why do people feel compelled to share this sort of information? So you choose to listen to something like my podcast. Um, you choose to engage with my work and you're getting something from it. But then you feel that it's important to let me know that you find my use of language to be a problem to you, which I which I, I, I can respect that. I, I understand that. We all have, you know ways that people communicate that we just don't really understand or they don't quite resonate with us for whatever reason. But I think especially when it comes to something like swearing, if you have an issue with someone swearing or someone using the word fuck, that is your problem. That is a you problem. Maybe you think it's not ladylike because I rarely see people say this kind of shit to men. I rarely see people, people, or maybe it's just not something that I'm seeing because I'm not behind the scenes to experience them. But even in in the, in just, people don't do this often to men, you know? So maybe it's because this person thinks it's unladylike for me to say the word fuck so much or the word shit or whatever, whatever the fuck I'm saying when I'm saying it. Um, maybe you think it's crass. Maybe you think it's crude. Maybe you think it's taking away from my message, which to me, I don't, I don't agree with because you're still getting something from it. Um, you, maybe you think it's unbecoming. Maybe you think it's unintelligent. And there's also a class component to it as well. You know, people think, yeah, people always use the, it's not intelligent. It's not sophisticated. Well, who gives a fuck? You're either getting something, (laughs) you're either getting something, from it or not. And again, you're allowed to feel how you feel. But if you really take issue with me or anyone swearing, you can keep it to yourself because sending an entire email, what am I supposed to respond to that? What am I supposed to respond to that? Because in that instance, you're making your problem, my problem. So now I have to think of let's say I even was considering to respond. Now I have to think of some kind of response and engage to explain to you why I choose to swear. I mean, oh my goodness, really? Anyway, so that happened as well. Um, But I sort of just laughed and it reminded me actually that I need to repost my swearing induction video that I have from two years ago. I need to reshare that again um, so people can just have an understanding of how I prefer to use language. Um, okay. So shall we, shall we dive in? Let's, let's dive in because I have quite a lot that I want to share with you. And I'm really curious to know some of the things that are going to be coming up as we dive into these things. So I do invite you to not tell me anything about my swearing, but to send, (laughs) send me a DM or send me an email at hello at africabrook.com because I really want to know what what you're experiencing and what you're seeing in yourself through some of these things, because it's so easy, so easy to identify other people's toxic behaviors, other people's toxic traits, toxic this, toxic that, even the word itself gets on my fucking nerves. But I wanted to, (laughs) I wanted to speak about it today because I think it is a useful conversation to have. I, I do think it's important. And I think it's, um, also worth approaching it in a way that isn't too heavy, injecting a little bit of humor and giving ourselves that space to be reflective and to be a little bit curious, to, to you know, hold a mirror up to ourselves. We, 
it's very hard to identify your own blind spots as you go through life. So with the episodes that I do and my work in general, it's just an opportunity to hold the mirror up for anyone that needs it and to just see what that mirror shows you. What lessons can you get from it? Where can you make some changes? Or maybe you're going to choose that you you don't want to make any fucking changes. That's fine. But at least know what it is that you're actually working with. Know whether it's useful or whether it's not useful. Um, So this is why I really did believe that this conversation was going to be important. But it's so easy to look at where other people are going wrong. It's so easy to see how hard done by we've been by other people's behavior. But are you able to identify your own toxic behaviors, your own unhelpful behaviors? I'll be using those terms interchangeably. Um, Are you able to do the same for yourself? Are you able to take responsibility and actual accountability for your actions? Are you able to then make amends? So these are all of the things that I want to talk about in this um, in this episode with you, because I I do believe I really do believe that human beings in and of themselves are not toxic, but we can and we do exhibit toxic behaviors. So I really do think there is a difference inherently as a human being. I don't believe that you are toxic or that you're bad or that you're evil but we can exhibit behaviors that align with all or any of those terms. So it's crucial, as I just said, that we accept this so that we can actually do something about it. And a lot of the time, these behaviors are unconscious. Bad behavior is not always a conscious choice. And this is, this is where I need you to not go into binary thinking, being the default. All right. Because me saying that does not mean we need to excuse abuse or anything in that realm. It doesn't mean that anyone that has wronged you, it's just been unconscious. They didn't know what they were doing. Sometimes people do know what the fuck it is that they're doing. Sometimes people are aware of those behaviors, but they just choose to continue. However, a lot of the time, these behaviors are unconscious. And I'm going to get into detail about what those behaviors can actually look like. Because the reality is that bad behavior is not always a conscious choice. It's not always a conscious choice, especially when it's been repeated over and over and over and over and over again to the point where it's automated, to the point where it's that person's default or to the point where it's your default, right? But once you bring awareness to those things that are unconscious, then it becomes conscious. Now you have a choice that you can actively make in each moment. So that's something that's really, really crucial to remember as well. Um, and another thing, I'm just I'm just giving you a few notes to work with here before we get into the nitty gritty of everything. Um, another thing about this is that you may, and this ties into to what I just said, you may have toxic traits that you aren't even aware of, that you are not even aware of, because some of us, We might be the most self-aware people. We might know how to articulate our internal and external experiences. We might know how to play the role of the observer and to really pay attention to our minds, to our feelings, our thoughts, etc. But we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And we do live in a world where, especially increasingly, people tread on eggshells around each other. So sometimes you might have toxic traits, but because 
you know, we're in a time where we're, <laughs> we're seeing the extremes of identity politics. Maybe those people close to you or even your partners feel like, oh, but because she's part of this identity or this group or this marginalized group, can't actually tell her. Can't actually tell them what's what's really going on, because what if they think that I'm only saying this because they are black or because they are white or because they're Asian or because they're disabled or because they're trans or because they're so I really believe that we need to be equipped in terms of having self-awareness to things like this because you as the individual have to be able to understand yourself because not everyone is going to tell you in the same way that you notice things in other people, but you might not feel comfortable to actually tell them or you just don't know how to tell them this is how they behave. So maybe you just ghost them instead, or maybe you just sort of don't see them as much anymore, don't invite them to things as much anymore, or you just cut the cord completely. Some people might be doing the exact same thing with you, which is why it's important that you have that self-awareness within yourself. Another thing to note you can be a good person with unhelpful behavioral traits. Both of those things can coexist. You can be a good person and still exhibit toxic traits. It is possible and it doesn't mean that you're inherently bad or evil, as I said before. And some of these traits actually, uh, and I have to put this forward, some of these traits are adopted as a coping mechanism but we need to be honest about what's not working so we can adopt what does. So some of these things you might have unconsciously or consciously put them into place to protect yourself in some kind of way or to defend yourself in some kind of way. But now, maybe you did that in childhood, but now as an adult, it's just not working anymore. It's fracturing your relationships, the relationship that you have with yourself. You're finding it difficult to stay you know, in workplaces for longer than a month. I know that was my own thing right? So we need to get honest about what's really happening so that we can actually increase our awareness, so we can take responsibility and accountability, so that we can make peace with our past and our current errors as well, so that we can course correct, so that we can actually make amends where necessary, right? The whole point of this podcast and my work is to focus on what we can control. So the first question that we really need to start asking ourselves is what happens when you realize that you are the biggest contributor to your own unhappiness? What happens when you realize that you've just been looking at how everyone else is toxic, everyone else is red flags, everyone else is this and that? What about you? What about you? Have you taken inventory? Have you stopped to look at yourself? Have you stopped to look at how you have contributed to the results that you're seeing in your life, whether that's in your romantic relationships, your platonic relationships, your familial relationships, your professional relationships, the relationship that you have with you? And it's uncomfortable, it's unsexy, no one wants to fucking do it. Or maybe when you're motivated and you're in the groove, then you will do it. But can you, can you actually turn inwards when it's uncomfortable, when something has just happened? We need to be able to do that. We need to be able to do that. So 
some things that my own mirror showed me when, you know, I, I realized, and this for me, it was in sobriety. For me, it took me getting sober um, six years ago, took me getting sober to actually realize that me stopping drinking was just the first fucking step, first fucking step. There were still so many things that I had to deal with. I had blamed my drinking. I had blamed my blackouts and everything that came with it on alcohol. And, you know, there, there, there was some truth to that, right? But alcohol was simply bringing to the surface everything that already existed anyway. It was just bringing to the surface the compulsive lying, the manipulating, the cheating, the everything else that came, the everything else that came as part and parcel of all of those things. It just brought that right up to the surface. But because it was the main thing, it was the main thing that really allowed for those toxic traits and behaviors to shine, it was easy for me to place the blame on that. But when I stopped drinking and some of those things didn't just magically go away, I realized I had some very fucking serious work to do. That's actually when I came across the um, Carl Jung's work and I came across the concept of the shadow and shadow work and I came across Debbie Ford and so many different teachers and mentors that exposed me to the importance of getting to know your shadow, the importance of accepting your own shit, the importance of taking responsibility and actual accountability for your life, for your actions and for the results, the, the importance of holding the multiple truths of, okay, these external things have, have been contributing factors to the way that my life is, but the biggest contributing factor is actually me. So me stopping drinking was just the first fucking step. And then I had to look in that mirror. And some of the things that came up for me, which I'm sure I've mentioned already, but they're worth repeating, was that while I was fucking busy <laughs> noticing how everyone else was toxic, how everyone else was the problem, how when I was with this group of people, I would drink so much because they drink so much and they they always had drugs, they always had this and blah, 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 you know. Um, while I was blaming my own alcoholic father for me ending up in that same way as an adult, while I was blaming my family for not seeing just how dark my life was and how much I was hurting and how much I had trauma that was undressed, etc., while I was blaming my partner for not communicating that well, or, you know, for the lack of sex in our relationship. Or, or everything else that came with it, while I was blaming my employees for not being attentive enough or for not giving me everything I needed when I started the job, I was not looking at myself. So I would change whether it was friendship groups, I would change job. I, I couldn't last in, in the same job for longer than a month, than a month, and then I would end up just leaving. And it was the same shit over and over and over and over again. A new location, the same shit starts off great, but then the same shit happens over and over and over again. New relationship, exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. I would just end up sabotaging my life in so many different ways. And still, I never explicitly took accountability until I got sober and I had no fucking choice but to blaming and pointing the finger was not was not going to cut it anymore it was not going to cut it because the reality was 
I'd been collecting unhelpful habits and defaults for so long that I never felt ready to do anything about it. And on some level, they were so built into my identity that I I, I didn't see, I, I couldn't see it because it was just a part of me. I couldn't see it. And because I wasn't self-reflective, in the, not in the way that I really needed to be, maybe superficially, but not in the way that I really needed to be. I really stayed in that cycle of blaming and pointing the finger. And when you're someone that can really intellectualize things, you just find smart ways to do it. You just find smart ways to sabotage yourself and you just bullshit yourself. You find ways to really rationalize and convince yourself that it's other people. It's not you. Even though you're taking yourself to new environments, new locations, or you think maybe moving will do this. And it's the same shit over and over and over again. Maybe a new relationship will do this, a new job. And it's the same shit because guess what? You're still taking yourself with you. Right? So I want to put forward some signs that are worth uh, paying attention to. And then this is not the be all end all, by the way, you can also think of some things that you can add to this list because this is going to be very unique to you. Okay. Some things might resonate, some things might not, but maybe they can make you think of something that is more pertinent to you and your experience. But I just wrote down a few signs to pay attention to in terms of um, identifying your own toxic, for lack of a better word, um, or unhelpful behaviors, if you're finding yourself in the cycle, if you're finding that regardless of what you change externally, it's still the same shit over and over again, if you're finding that people are starting to distance themselves away from you, or if you're starting to realize that your relationships are really crumbling, or you, you've spotted some of these things within yourself, but it's just very difficult to accept and to know what to do, I just wanted to give some very some some signs that were really useful for me and just for other people that I've also supported and worked with over the years. So sign number one, everyone else is always to blame. You never look at how you have contributed situations. So you can think of this as victimhood because being an actual victim and victimhood are two very different things two very different things. Victimhood is when you make it an identity. You make it an identity to just externalize, externalize, externalize. You could never possibly be the problem. It's everything else. It's the system. It's your partner. It's your family. It's your job. It's the bus driver. It's that person on the street. It's that person on the internet. It's, you know, that stranger you don't even fucking know. Everyone else is the problem. Not you. Not you. Could never be you. (laughs) could never be you. Sign number two, you always seem to be caught up in some kind of drama. This one is huge. You always seem to be caught up in some kind of drama. And this is time to get honest, get very fucking honest about it. Because yes, that everyone, most people even go through moments in their life where things are a little bit dramatic. Things are kind of maybe even chaotic. There's a lot of things happening. Maybe you're in conflict with someone or a few people or a situation. Yeah. 
But if you always seem to be caught up in some kind of drama and your name is always a part of it, there's something that needs to be addressed. And maybe, in fact, when you look a little bit closer, you actually find that you get a little bit of a thrill from it. Hard thing to admit, but let's be really fucking honest. Maybe a part of you, that shadowy part of you, that unconscious part of you, actually gets some kind of thrill. Maybe you've always felt ignored and neglected. So being in the middle of drama keeps you in the spotlight. It makes you feel like people care. It makes you feel like people are watching. It makes you feel like people are listening. So you find that keeping yourself in a case in a state of drama and chaos actually brings people closer. Not in a way that is actually useful, but to your unconscious, it makes no difference. Attention is attention, right? What's really happening there? Because if you're always caught up in some kind of drama, let me tell you, it's not accidental. In every area of your life, or even in the most essential areas of your life, there's always something. Everyone else can't be the issue when it comes to that. The common denominator is yourself. Number three, you're always talking about other people. Gossiping and dissecting the lives of other people. Maybe every time you meet with that one friend or that group of friends, you never seem to talk about yourselves and the things that you're actually doing and the present or the future or what you're working on or what you wish to do or your dreams or your hobbies or the things that are actively happening in your life. The default is to talk about other people. Oh, did you hear this? Did you see that? What do you think about this? Maybe it's time to actually address any underlying jealousy, any envy, any resentment, any bitterness. Or maybe it's about addressing the fact that you feel like there's nothing interesting about you or your life. So other people's lives just instantly seem more interesting. Which is why things like reality TV and gossip shows, etc. do so well. And I'm sure I mentioned this in the previous episode because I definitely did in the article. Because I was just doing a lot of research just to kind of understand why we're so drawn to, especially women, especially women, why we're just kind of drawn to gossip in that way or things like reality TV or scandal in that way. Like, what is it? What is it? Um, and I don't have the answer, but there are so many different theories and uh, and sort of thoughts out there. But I think this is one to really pay attention to. Because this is a very toxic behavior if you're constantly talking about other people, dissecting other people's lives. It's worth addressing because this will damage your relationships. And I always think about this. That's why I, I for me, I will not tolerate someone gossiping about someone else in front of me. Because I, I, I hope that you can say this about this person if they were sitting right here with us because if you can't then please I I don't I don't need to hear it it's not useful it's not useful for me to hear and if you can talk about someone like this I know you would talk about me in the exact same way and because I'm someone that values respect respect is one of my core values I can't I can't do that I can't do it 
it's a surefire way for me to not trust you. And if I can't trust you, I cannot have a relationship with you, platonic or otherwise. So this means that you might be laughing with the same people, joking, gossiping, sharing information about other people's lives. Oh, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Every single time you do that, every single time you do that, you erode trust. Every single time. Or you, you just end up attracting people that also don't trust themselves and they'll never be able to trust you. It's really worth addressing. It's really worth addressing. The next sign to pay attention to. If you find yourself thinking that you are superior to others, so you have an overinflated sense of self, And maybe that superiority also means that you immediately speak badly of anyone who disagrees with you because you believe that you're right every single time without fail. And even if you are wrong and you know that you're wrong, you'll find a way to spin it back so that the other person is still in the wrong in some way or you derail to make a point. A useless point that doesn't even <laughs> that doesn't even have anything to do with what that conversation might be. But because you really have that overinflated sense of self, your ego is so powerful and not in a way that is useful at all. You just struggle to accept that you might be wrong, that you don't have it right all the time. And maybe this manifests itself in how you treat people, talk to people online or the people in your life. So look at the results that you see in your life. I've said this many times, but really the results you see in your life will show you what it is you value. It will show you your boundary system. It will show you your value system and your belief system. The results that you see in your life don't lie. That's that's a result of your behavior, especially repeated behavior. Your habitual thinking, your habitual communicating. Last one, signs to pay attention to. You're passive aggressive. Oh, this one was a big one for me. Was a big one for me. And I still have to watch out for the remnants of this. Passive aggressiveness. So this can look like using silence as punishment, which is something that I used to do in my long-term relationship. Um, Both of them, actually, my last two long-term relationships And I learned so many lessons from this of what not to do, how not to treat a partner, how not to treat myself, because it's something that actually started in childhood when I was much, much younger. And it was just a pattern that I then carried on into my most intimate relationships, into relationships that I really cared about, into partnerships where I really respected the men that I was with, um, but I would always just slip into that default when we were going through an uncomfortable period, when we had had an argument, when there could have been room for very clear communication, me expressing what my needs were or my partner expressing what his needs were. I would just retreat into silence. And then I realized that actually I was using that silence as a form of punishment to punish him, which is just awful. It's awful because that 
leaves the other person in such a deep state of anxiety and worry and paranoia and not knowing what they've actually done. And if they ask you if you're okay, you'll just say you're fine. But it's evident that you're not fine because it's written in your body language. It's written in how you're stomping all over the house or when you're doing the dishes, you're doing them 10 times louder <laughs> than you would normally do them or just the energy that you're exuding or when I would be in bed with my partner. Oh my goodness. Um, and I'm so glad that these are things that I've taken accountability for and I've apologized and we've had the conversations around them because it's, it's awful. It's not a way to be in relation with someone. You know, when we'd, we would be in bed together and I'd be able to feel the, just the horrible energy that is radiating from my body and then making him absorb it. And then if he tries to touch me or ask me if I'm fine, I'll just say, yeah, I'm fine. And continue to weaponize silence. And I'm really honest about this because it's something that I was not even consciously aware of because I had been doing it for so long since being a child. Because I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't have the tools that I have now. I didn't have you know, uh, that rooting of sobriety that I have now, which, which obviously opened the door to so many things, communication being one of the biggest. But even after sobriety, it was still something that I was doing. It was still something that I didn't even realize until my partner had to reluctantly tell me, which is why, again, I'm doing this, this episode, which is why I started writing about it all those years ago, which is why I have the conversations that I have with people because we need someone to help us identify our blind spots. You could think of yourself as the smartest, most intellectual person, most this, whatever, whatever the fuck else. We will, uh, we will rationalize even the worst behaviors because it's just so deeply embedded into, our, into the tapestry of who we are. Because being passive aggressive can quickly turn into resentment and manipulation. And maybe those are words that you would never want to associate with yourself and with your behavior, but that's exactly what it is. It's manipulative behavior. And that is a toxic behavior. So that's just a short list of some of the things that I really do invite you to just have a look at or to think of some of the things that you end up exuding consciously or unconsciously. And other things to look out for are things like rudeness. Oh, that's a huge one for me. A lack of empathy for others, recklessness, a lack of introspection. Maybe you turn everything into a joke. Maybe you're, you're overly sarcastic. I mean, we, I love a bit of sarcasm, but if someone is sarcastic all the time, and yes, there can be, this can be defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms, but it doesn't mean that coping mechanisms can't be, uh, end up being toxic behaviors or just end up being unhelpful. Maybe you push your truth onto others. Oh gosh, th this one won't be new to most of us listening. That's something that's constantly happening all the time, especially in the age of social media. But that is not a helpful behavior. Your truth is yours. Even that statement in itself is really fucking vague. It sounds wonderful. Oh, my truth, my truth. Okay, great. It, it's just that it's yours. It is yours. 
So really start to think about what are some of the things that you engage in, some of the things that you end up putting out into the world, into pouring into your relationships without even really realizing. I hope that something, something comes up, <laughs> something. Um, but I do want to finish by emphasizing the fact that changing these behaviors is possible. It really is possible, which is why I actually speak quite loudly about the themes that I do about self-sabotage and self-censorship and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, why I reject the idea that people can't change, why I reject the, this chase for perfection in human beings, the idea that a mistake that you made five years, 10 years ago, even yesterday is going to shape what the rest of your life looks like, or it's going to shape your identity until you die. I don't believe that. I don't believe that change is the only constant, whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not. But when we change in a conscious way, which we can also call growth, you're really, really able to work with yourself. You're able to work with your mind, work with your body, work with your spirit, work with all of who you are. But it also means accepting your shadow. But I really do believe that change is possible. And all of those behaviors that I've listed in this and many more, they are possible to change. Yes, some take longer than others. Yes, some people's brains work a little bit differently. So some people are really going to struggle. I understand that. We know that. But on some level, even if it's just one thing, it is possible to rewire not only your brain, but to also rewire your habits and your behavior. So the first thing you do need to do is to commit to identifying those behaviors. And you need to do that honestly and thoroughly. Second thing, you have to understand the impact of those behaviors. Understand their impact. This speaks to responsibility. Third thing, you have to consciously stop the behaviors. This is where I would suggest going into the role of the observer because some of these behaviors are a default so that they're going to happen. They're going to happen. Okay. But you need to always be in that role of the observer, observe that behavior coming to the surface and then choose differently. Stop that behavior by replacing it with a more useful one. And you get to take on the challenge, the very expansive challenge of deciding what that new habit is going to be. What is a more new, what is a new and more helpful habit? a more helpful behavior that you can replace that with. Number four, make amends where necessary. Without being overattached to the outcome, this is just about accountability. If you really look through your history, through the look through the archive that is your life, okay? There are places where you can make amends because to truly, to truly take accountability for realizing and identifying where you have exhibited toxic behaviors, where you have impacted someone's life because of them, whether in a small way or a big way, there are places which you can make amends. Maybe you reach out to that person and for them, it wasn't really that big a deal. Maybe it was so long ago, but there's something about making amends. There's something about taking on that responsibility and making it tangible. Maybe it's writing a letter to, to all of those people or listing them out and then just burning the letter, whatever you do, you might do it in a ritualistic way or you might actually reach out to someone in your past or someone in your present or maybe it's your partner who you live with right now 
and you just sit them down and say, sorry, I'm really sorry. I've been, I've been a dick. I've actually been a dick. And these are the things that I wrote down. These are the things that I've been reflecting on. And I actually just want to apologize for the way that I've been in our relationship. Maybe you do the same thing with your friend. Maybe you do the same thing with a family member. Maybe you do the same thing with your child. Whoever, in whatever way, making amends is a huge piece of this. And it's, it's a piece many people will avoid. That's the reality. Most people will be hearing this and think, oh my God, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I might do, I might do all the other stuff, but I'm not going to do that. Well, <laughs> you, that, then you are probably the person that really needs to fucking do that. Because, and go listen to my discomfort episode. Maybe before you have that conversation, listen to the discomfort episode so you can get a little bit motivated. But all of this is not supposed to be comfortable by default. You experience the comfort after the discomfort, after you risk something, your comfort being the bare minimum, as I always say. But making amends is a huge step. I'm going to quickly run through those steps again. Changing these behaviors is possible. First thing, commit to identifying them. Understand their impact. Consciously stop the behaviors and make amends where necessary and repeat cycle. Okay? Good. Good, good, good. And I want to hear, I want to, <laughs> I want to hear how you get on with this, or even if it's just one part of it, even if it's just one insight that has come up, anything, anything you want to share, I am all ears and eyes. Um, and I really recommend that you share this episode. Like a lot of them, this is one that is going to help so many people and resonate with so many people. So if it's resonated with you, you better believe there are many other people that need to hear it as well. Um, so you can be part of that by sharing it privately or share it on social media. Tag me, please, so that I can thank you for listening. Um, and if you have any notes or anything that resonates, please do share that as well, because it's, it's, it's always great to pass on this knowledge. It's not supposed to be hoarded. It's not supposed to be hoarded. And if you're still listening right now, which I hope you are, don't switch off just yet. If you're still listening, make sure that you're following this podcast, right? If you're listening on Spotify, it takes you a second, second to follow and then to rate. You just click two buttons and then you can just rate the podcast. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there as well, because it does make a huge difference. So many of you have done it. Um, and it means a whole lot to me. It means a whole, whole lot to me because I put so much into this. So, <laughs> so much into this. Um, so that little act means means more than you will ever, ever know. Um, and then the last thing that I will say is that I am so looking forward to those of you that are going to be joining me at next month's event, which is round two, an all new round two of how to stop self-censoring in the age of cancel culture. It's a virtual event. So wherever you are in the world, you can be a part of this. You can be a part of it. And if you can't make it live, that's fine. Everyone who has a ticket is going to get a replay of the session, the video, the audio, and the full transcript the next day. So you don't have to be there live with me. But if you are, that means you can actively participate in the chat, etc. Um, but it's all anonymous. I will be the only one in video, so you can just watch and relax. 
Um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And it's an all new session. I really want to emphasize that. So if you came to the last one, you're going to want to come to this one as well, because I've spent six months putting this together. Um, and it's all practical and there's an element of accountability as well. So two weeks after the session, I'm going to be personally checking in with you to see if you're holding yourself to account on some of the actions we're going to um, we're going to map out in the session because, like I said, it's very practical. It's about creating a roadmap from where you are now to you leaning into mindful self-expression, which is the complete opposite of self-censorship. Um, so I'm very excited to work with you on that. Run to my website, www.africabrook.com and go to the event page and read the full details. All the link will be will be in the show notes here. But either way, please share the fuck out of this episode. What happens when the toxic person is you? I look forward to speaking to you about this and to speaking to you in the next episode.